The message that I have for you is part two in a message called Save to Serve or Save to Sow. And so this definitely comes under the area of the maturing of the believers. You must have ears to hear what is about to be said, and you must have an open heart, praise God, to receive with a teachable spirit some of the things that are going to be said today. So let's thank you, the Lord, ahead of time for utterance and for freedom today in the name of Jesus. Amen. From Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion or for an incentive to the flesh. But by love serve one another. Notice, don't let your flesh rule over you. Don't use it as an excuse for selfishness. But through the love of God, serve one another. We have been saved to serve. And God has brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Not just so that we can feed on the Word and worship the Lord, but that we can bring our service into the house of God, which really is a form of worship and honor God with every fiber of our being. In Romans, the 12th chapter and the first verse, the scripture says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, I like how the Amplified points that out. He says, in view of all the mercies of God, make a decisive dedication of your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is your rational service and which is your spiritual service, your spiritual worship. So what I'm getting out of that verse is, in light of everything God's done for you, we ought to be serving Him. Amen? Amen? Has He brought you into freedom? Is it possible to use our liberty for an occasion to the flesh? We don't want to do that. But we want to bring our service, which is worship, into the house of the Lord. Now, I enjoy worshiping God corporately with you guys. It is an awesome, awesome experience. But I submit to you this morning that anyone who picks up a broom in the name of Jesus, anyone who changes a diaper in the name of Jesus, Anyone who teaches your junior high or our babies or our CIA, anyone offering service in, as unto the Lord in the house of God is just as much worshiping God as you and I just did a few moments ago. So we need to get our thinking straightened out that where that is concerned because the word ministry has been understood and used in terms of what I'm doing right now. I am ministering to you, and you are receiving the word of the Lord. But ministry extends way out beyond the teaching and preaching of the word of God. You see, I'm called to be a pastor. And I take my job very seriously, and I absolutely love it. And I thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve you, to attend to you, and to minister the word to you. But did you know that... Even though I may be more called to teach and preach than you are. Amen. Every one of us are called in our station of service. And I'm no more called than you're called. Are you listening to me? And so I think that that is something that we need to see. That is something that we need to realize and take very seriously the gifts and the callings of God that he's placed on the inside of us. Now, another area that we need to get our thinking straightened out in 
is in the area of what is the role of a pastor? What is the role of an apostle? What is the role of a prophet? What is the role of a pastoral staff? So I want you to quickly turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the 11th and the 12th verse. Thank you, Lord, for utterance today. The book of Ephesians. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for what purpose? For the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let me ask you something. Does the body of Christ need some building up? Does the body of Christ need to be prepared for works of service? You see, there are works of service that a pastor, an evangelist, and a prophet cannot do. The work of God is too vast for a few preachers. What God wants to do in this world is bigger than Heart of the Bay Christian Center. It's bigger than the leading prophets in the land. We all have our place. We all have our position in grace. But God has never called a handful of staff people and a handful and a core of committed people to do all the works of service. So understand, as the NIV points out in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that my job is to prepare God's people for what? For works of service, we could just as easily say it, for worship and works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now realize this, dear friends. There are basically three areas of ministry that all of us are called into. Number one, there's the upward call. That's lifting up of hands and worshiping God. Our life should be a lifestyle of worship wherever we are. Amen? I can go into a Catholic church and worship. I can go into a Baptist church and worship. I can worship God all at the ball game. Why is that? Because I've adopted worship as a lifestyle. I don't have to wait for the right sound or the right tone or the right music to worship God. I can worship God when we're on key, off key, in season, out of season. And really, that should be the attitude of the born-again believer. I am a worshiper of God. God is a spirit. And I'm going to give God His due worship today. Not only in church, but on my job and in my life. Everyone say it with me. Worship is a lifestyle. So that's the upward call. The second call is what I'll talk about in a moment. But the third call is our outward How many of you know that we as a body are the light of the world? We are the light of the world. God has made you and I to be fishers of men. We have been called ambassadors of the Most High God, which means that we are diplomatic ministers sent here to earth of the highest order, which is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There are people outside of these walls that are living in darkness and you and I have the light, the love, and the glory of God to carry to a dying, sighing, dark world. Amen? Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So there is that upward call. There is that outward call, but there's also that inward call. 
And that is something that happens in the local church and in the hearts of the members and the friends and the partners of that local church. Now notice with me in Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look at verses 13 right on through verse 15. Amen. It says that we have all been called to do works of service until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Read verse 14. Go ahead. Ready, read. Verse 15, you're doing good. Read. Which is the head, even Christ. So you see the word growth there, right? So growth has to do with maturity, does it not? One of my main jobs as a pastor is to equip the saints that they can come to a place of working in the kingdom of God and also that they may grow up. But now notice this next verse, a very interesting verse of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Let's read this together and let's read it slowly. It says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Now stop right there. Look at the word joint as being a member, a friend, or a partner in the body. Notice with me, in the rest of the verse, it says, According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. In other words, when every part, when every member is bringing their work of service into the house of God, that is when the local church really becomes effectual. That is when the local church really becomes divinely energized and makes a difference in the world. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Now notice the rest of the verse. Ready, read. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Did you just see that? There's going to come an increase in the body, the local church, when every joint brings their supply. And when each body is serious about bringing their works of service, there's going to be some edifying. Let's bring that verse up again. There's going to be some building up. There's going to be some things taking place in the body that are effectual. And the love of God is going to be so noticed. And we have that inward ministry where everyone ought to be doing their part. Oh, that's good news. Now, One thing that I've noticed over the years is what's in the world will try to creep into the church. Now, you understand that what's in the world oftentimes is climbing the ladder. And people become very title conscious and they become very position conscious. But in the kingdom of God, there's not room for that kind of stuff. You know, Jesus really addressed that, didn't he? He said, you know, you rabbis, you love the uppermost seat in the, in the synagogue. You love to be seen of men when you pray. 
And you love for everyone to call you rabbi. In other words, they were position conscious and they were name conscious. You see, my brothers and sisters, I don't care what a person labels themselves. What matters is what do they have on the inside of them. I'd a whole lot rather have a can without a label with some really good fruit on the inside than a can without with a label with nothing on the inside. Amen? And so what we want to do is we just want to be servants of the Most High God. You see, God has called you and I to follow Him. And wherever He goes, that's where I want to be. You know, back in... 1982, when Brenda and I came from Minnesota to California, we were just doing our best to follow the Lord. We had no idea what the result would be 30 years later after following the Lord. You see, God's got a path and God's got a plan for all of His children. Look with me at John chapter 12, I believe it is. And I want you to notice in verse 26. John, the 12th chapter, verse 26. He says, if any man will serve me, we could read it like this. If any man will worship me, let him follow me. You must have a heart to follow him. Well, is God moving? You bet he's moving. He's moving every day of our lives. But it's so easy to miss out on the leadings of the Lord when we are so entangled and encumbered with the cares of this life. Come on, somebody. But those that are serious, those that will follow Him, and those that will worship Him, glory to God, will say, Lord, I want to be where you are. I want to go where you're going. And if that means selling a house, if that means moving out of state, if that means taking a transfer, whatever the Lord has for me, I want. Now, I'm 61 years old. If the Lord told me to leave tomorrow, I'd be gone. On the other hand, I don't believe he's leading me that way. Are you listening to me? You got to have a heart to follow God. And the Bible says, if any man, let's keep it up there. If any man will serve me. If any man will bring his service to me, if any man will worship me, let him follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Oh, my goodness. In other words, the Lord is so confident that when we follow him, that wherever he goes, my servant's going to be there. I can count on Jimmy. I can count on Vern. I can count on Terry. I can count on Connie because they're servants of the Most High God. I know that wherever I go, they'll be right there. Can the Lord say that about you? Wherever I am. That's all I want. Wherever God's moving, I want to move with Him. Look at the rest of this verse now. If any man serve me, let him follow me, that where I am, there my servant shall also be. And, now notice, here's the benefit. If any man will bring his worship to me, if any man will serve me, him will my Father honor. Woo, glory to God. I'd rather have the honor of God on me than the whole state of California in my back pocket. 
I'd rather have the presence of God in my life, serving with a broom, singing the praises of God in the foyer, cleaning the toilets and trying to promote myself and position myself to something I'm not called to be. If any man serve me, if any man will worship me, him will my father honor. Look up with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. How many of you believe in going deep in God? You know, going deep is a baseball term. Someone hits a home run, they say, he went deep. You know, hit a grand slam and won the World Series in the seventh game. Where'd that ball go? It went deep. Now, I believe this, the deep is calling unto deep. That the depth of God and His plan is calling out to the depth of your inner man. And He's got some deep things for His people. And I believe in having deep revelation. I believe it. I like to go and be encouraged by deep teaching, don't you? But I don't want to get so deep that I miss the base of the deepest thing going in the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you what that is in a moment. Look with me, Colossians chapter 1. In verse 9 it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, we don't cease to pray for you. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's deep, ain't it? But what is the purpose to be filled? Really, what is the purpose to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So that we can go around giving everybody a word of prophecy? No. So that we can go to the latest revelation teaching in the Bay Area and be called the remnant That God only moves through us. (laughs) Prophet so-and-so, apostle so-and-so. I'd rather hear a donkey braying in a tin barn at midnight. No, no, no. The reason for you to be filled with the Spirit and filled with revelation, notice with me, ready, read, verse 10, come on. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing... (laughs) Being fruitful and increasing in the knowledge of God. Woo! Glory to God. I submit to you when you bring your works of service into the house of God and you become a worshiper of God, you're going to be fruitful in every good work and you're going to be filled with the knowledge of His will and you're going to be able to go deeper and deeper in the things of God. Some of the deepest people I know serve in the ministry of helps in this church. Some of the people with the greatest high degree of integrity and character. Some of the most solid Christians in this church will never get behind a pulpit. They'll never sing a special. But you talk about people that have become like Jesus... And people that don't even want their name recited, they're just hiding behind the cross. And they're bringing their acts of service into the house of God. Oh, I tell you, God can honor a person like that. God can bring His presence on them and cause them to go from glory to glory. That is deep. 
I'm not here to impress you with deep revelation. I'm here to edify you. I'm here to equip you so that you may do works of service for the glory of God. Let me tell you something, saints. Time's running out. Time is running out. You do not want to miss out on the rewards that God is going to give out for those people that were real worshipers of God. You know, I think when it's all said and done, when we get to heaven, it's the people that pray. It's the people that stay by the stuff. It's the people that operate in the ministry of helps. Those are the ones that are going to get the greatest rewards. You know, up there in heaven, you can just about see it. People that have traveled the world and evangelized, they're out there waiting for their rewards. And God says, step aside. Here's Grandma Brown. Here's a reward for you. Here's Grandpa Thomas. Hallelujah. Here's a reward for you. I am not just preaching. I'm talking about reality. There are some rewards that are laid up for us in heaven. Yes, there are benefits here on earth. Yes, there are blessings here on earth. I don't want to minimize that. But I want you to know and you understand that some of you are overdue in the arena of bringing your works of service into the house of God. And it's time for you to get off the sidelines back into the game of serving and saying, Lord, here I am. I've got a towel on my shoulder. I want to have a foot washing mentality until the Lord returns. Thank you for those three-week amen. Woo, glory. Revelation is flowing today, man. Woo. And I am real grateful. I'm very grateful for the people in this church and the core in this church that have brought their works of service. I want to say thank God and thank you. But on the inside of me, I just know that there's more. I know that many of you've got more on the inside of you than you've brought forth yet. Some of you kind of laid some of those talents aside. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you haven't been recognized. Whatever the case may be. But I'm telling you, it's time for a group of people in this church to go from non-productivity to productivity. You know, in the world, can't you just see it in the eyes of people? They just, there's something missing. You can see it in the eyes of people out there in the world. You really can. That, you know, they might have all the money in the world. They might have the nicest car on the block and the biggest mansion in the neighborhood. But you look into their eyes and you see emptiness. You see that they're lost. And you know what? They are lost. Why are they lost? Because they don't know Jesus. But I saw this during the early service, and I'm going to say it again, and I want to say it maybe a little bit nicer, but there are a lot of lost Christians. Well, Pastor Mark, I didn't know that you could be a Christian and be lost. I'm not talking about heaven or hell. I'm talking about there are a lot of Christians that have lost their way. What do you mean lost their way? They've lost their purpose. They don't get up in the morning with the same zeal that they used to 10, 20 years ago. Why? Because they have laid certain things aside and have put seeking first the kingdom of God as secondary rather than primary. And I'm not here to condemn anyone. Because I understand that condemnation is the confidence killer. 
But as long as I am at this post as senior pastor of Heart of the Bay Christian Center, I'm going to challenge you to rise up and be your very best for God. Amen. Amen. Wow. You see, we can go from fruitlessness to fruitfulness. Did you know that you can? You can go from a place of bearing no fruit. And you know, God can do it quickly. He can do it in a hurry. Because my Father is the restorer. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How do you remember the story of Philemon, Onesimus, and Paul? Do you remember that story? Paul's in prison in Rome, right? And Onesimus, which by the way, was a slave to Philemon in the town of Colossae. And he was a runaway slave. He ran away from Philemon. And by the way, in those days, if a person was caught as a runaway slave, oftentimes they were killed immediately as an example to other slaves. But for some reason, Onesimus ran away from Philemon. You see, his life was unproductive. His life was fruitless. But he had a divine encounter in that jail in Rome when he ran into the Apostle Paul. He got born again. He got filled with the power of God. And Paul starts to write to Philemon. By the way, Philemon was one of Paul's disciples. And he said, I'm writing you concerning your servant Onesimus who was once unproductive, but now he's been saved and now he's ministering to my needs and now he's being very productive, not only for me, but also for you. Woo, glory to God. So Paul is writing on behalf of Onesimus. He's using a play on words. The word Onesimus means productive. Well, before he was born again, he was unproductive. But once he got saved, he got into the line of productivity. Oh, somebody shout. And he said, look, he says, whatever he owes you, I'll pay on his behalf. And so Paul, the great apostle, is pleading really to one of his disciples to treat Onesimus with mercy and with grace. He's not trying to do away with the laws that they had in those days, but he's appealing to the grace and to the mercy of God. Oh, God brought Onesimus out of a useless nobody into a productive somebody. And I want you to know that every person in this auditorium is a somebody in the eyes of God. Are you listening? And so it's very, very important that you and I Don't ignore those promptings of the Holy Spirit that He's given us to do. I believe with all of my heart, if we're really listening, and if our hearts are really right, the Holy Spirit will nudge us and He will show us in an area of worship to serve in the church. I do believe that. Do you believe that? Can I get anybody with me? I know... I realize it's 12.05 and it's Communion Sunday. And I understand that maybe you've had too many cookies and too much fudge. But you know what? I'm going to preach through that. I'm going to preach through the glaze. Hallelujah. I'm believing for a Holy Ghost fire and a Holy Ghost blaze. Amen. In the month of December. Amen. So help a preacher out. 
Every one of you got something on the inside. Stop hiding that talent. Get it out. Brush it off. And say, Lord, I present my body as a living sacrifice to you. And I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. And with all of my might. Now, here's another observation that I've seen. I've pastored a few years along with my wife, Brenda. I've seen Christians get bored. And I've seen them get bored with their Christian life. And I've seen them, you know, kind of be ho-hum about the things of God. And, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago they were really on fire. But something just kind of wore off on them. You understand? And, and, uh, and, and they get bored. And, and oftentimes they think it's the preacher's fault. Well, you know what? He used to run the aisles, but he's not running the aisles anymore. You know, run for me, Pastor. Do something. Bring me out of this boredom, you know. Bring me out of this holidays, will you? My eyes are glazed. Help me, preacher. It's not the preacher's problem that you're bored. Now listen very carefully. I have discovered that the reason a lot of spirit-filled Christians get bored is because... Are you ready for the answer? I'm going to tell you it in a few moments. But let's drop by King David's house. Let's go visit King David and let's just eavesdrop on what David is doing at a time where kings were to be out in the field battling with their men. Well, David was the king, so he didn't have to go to battle if he didn't want to. So David decided, he just got this great big, huge, D, you know, big screen TV. And David said, you know, I ain't going to go fight. I ain't going to go battle. I mean, the giants are on, and then this is coming on. and So David hung around the palace, right? He hung around the palace, and I mean, he watched everything on TV he could think of. Watched Storage Wars, and Pawn Stars, and Alaska Troopers, and watched all the games he could think of. And he had all the latest video games, too. So David just, I mean, he watched all the TV he could watch, played all the video games he could play. And you know David had some pizza delivered to the palace whenever he wanted. Whatever David wanted, David could get. Why is that? Because he's a king. How many of you know that you're a king? And you're a priest unto God. But David set aside his kingly ministry and his priestly ministry and he started indulging in the lust of the flesh rather than by love serving. So you can see David, right? Sitting on the couch, you know, or a great big lazy boy. That fits for a service like this, a big old lazy boy. And he's clicking and, oh, man, I can't eat anymore. I can't play this stupid video game anymore. I'm bored. I'm bored. So he gets up and he goes to the top of the house looking for something. Why? Because he's bored. He's looking for something and he finds something. And what he finds is a beautiful naked woman that is a neighbor lady that's taking a bath. And his eyes was set on her. 
maybe she can fill this boredom. Maybe she has the answer to this emptiness. So, he already had a ton of wives, but she was beautiful. And so, he calls Bathsheba to his house. He puts on Barry White. And he starts singing, my darling, I can't get enough of yours. All right. I know that's a stretch, but you needed it. Some of you just woke up. Good morning. It's amazing. You start talking about sex. Everybody's, what's next? (laughs) Anyway. So David and Bathsheba commit what? Adultery. All because David is bored. All because... And why is David bored? And why are a lot of Christians bored? Because they're not doing something that they should be doing. I'm going to say that again. Why was David bored? Why are Christians bored? Because they're not doing something that they should be doing. And that's where eyes begin to wander. And that's where Christians begin to float and just to kind of go down the Christian path on flowery beds of ease because they're bored. And I tell you, here's what the excuse of the world is. Oh, come on, pastor. David's just a man. David's just a man. Uh Uh-oh. He was a bored man. And you think of what it cost David? Because not only did he commit adultery, but he got her pregnant. And when he found out that he got her pregnant, he put her husband at the front line to make sure that he was killed in action. Because of his boredom now, he's committed adultery, he's got her pregnant, and then he commits murder. Are you listening to me? And what... Now, somebody says, yeah, but God forgave and God restored. Yes, He did. But what a price. What a cost. Listen, friends, sin costs something. The wages of sin is death. The wages of laziness the wages of sloppiness and the wages of boredom lead to sin, which leads to death. He lost kinfolk as a result of that. But the good news is, God brought him back. I said, God brought him back. And after all of that, when David repented and he worshiped the Lord and he began to do what he was called to do, the Bible says, that's my David and he is a man after my own heart. And you know what that tells me? No matter how far you've drifted and no matter how far you've gone away from the things of God, the Lord is right there 
to receive you and to restore you and to take something that was once unproductive and make it useful and productive and fruitful again for the glory of God. Woo! Glory! I know of pastors, I know of ministers that have committed adultery. And when all the world would walk out on them, Jesus would walk into their lives. And I can show you pastor after pastor today that missed it because they were bored and because they leaned on the arm of the flesh. But because they repented and because they went back to their works of service, God restored them. And today they're in ministry bringing forth fruit to the glory of God. Are you listening to me? And if God will do that for a pastor, God will do it for you. He can turn it around for you. He can make life sweet again for you. You can wake up in the morning not saying, oh, dear Lord, it's morning, but rather saying, oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. And I know and I understand that life is not fair and life is tough. And I understand that oftentimes in God, that sometimes we feel like we've been hospitalized. Are you listening to me? See, there's a few different dimensions that I understand about the local church. I understand it very well. I understand very clearly that we are all to offer our works of worship and service. I understand that. But I also understand that there are some people that are not able to reach the world. And they're not able to bring their works of service into the house of God because they've been hospitalized. They've been wounded. And they're hurting. And they're depressed. And they need the oil and the wine. Are you listening to me? They need the loving care of a pastor and a pastoral care team and need the loving care of friends and partners in the ministry to put their arm around them and say, you know what? I can see a day where you're going to be getting out of the hospital. I can see that soon and very soon you are going to be discharged. You're not going to be in that place forever. God is your healer. God is your restorer. God is the glory and the lifter up of your head. And so, when we're preaching like this for maturity and everyone to serve, I understand that there's a time and that there is a season for people to be healed and to be restored. But I'm telling you, thus saith the Lord, healing time and deliverance time and discharge time is coming to your house soon and very soon. I don't know whether I'm preaching it as good as I'm feeling it, but I'm starting to get some feelings up in here right now. Woo, glory! I was in the hospital for six months recovering from drug addiction. Was I ready to get out of the hospital? I was scared to death by the reality outside Of those cold institutional walls. But discharge day came for Mark Thomas. And they said, Mark, if you stay in here any longer, you're going to get institutionalized. It's time for you to get out. And they discharged me. And though it was scary. And though it was tough. 
And though it was difficult, I made it by the grace of God. Listen very carefully. I want you to get this picture. Some of you have been hospitalized. But soon and very soon, it's time for you to get out. It's time for you to take up your bed and walk. It's time for you to forgive that former pastor. It's time for you to realize that today's a brand new day for you. And that your health can spring forth speedily. And yes, it will be tough. It's not easy to be a servant of the Lord. Try to do what I do some Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. It's not easy. It's not easy to have that towel around your shoulder and wash feet when people want to spit on you. It's not easy to serve when you don't feel the appreciation of people. But you don't do it for people. I said you don't do it for people. You don't do it for the pastor. You do it for the Lord. And if any man will serve me, I will honor him and I will bring the blessings of God into their life. This is a message. And this flows well with our vision. It is the M part of our vision. It is the maturity part. Can you handle just a little more? I don't want to preach beyond where I should go today. But I'm telling you, it's time for some of you to get addicted. See, in 1 Corinthians 16, they addicted themselves to the work of God. On the inside of every person, every man, every woman, every girl, there is a desire to get high. Somebody says, get high? Drugs? Alcohol? Well, there's Christians doing that, but I'm not talking about that. Alcohol, drugs, sex cannot satisfy the cravings of your heart. The only thing that satisfies the cravings of your heart, the only high that really matters is serving God and serving the Most High God. Only He can satisfy. Quickly to Luke chapter 8. We're almost done. Luke the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 3. In view of all this, shouldn't we serve him? It came to pass that he went throughout every city, preaching, showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Look at verse 2. And a certain woman, everyone say a certain woman. She was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. Which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. She was full of demons. Her name was Mary called Magdalene. And Jesus cast seven devils out of her. I want you to notice that once she was delivered, she didn't sit around and say, woe is me, I used to have so many devils. No. Verse 3. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Arid's steward, and Susanna, and Mary Magdalene, and many others, ministered unto him of their substance. Oh, saints, something substantial happened in their lives. They weren't the same. You're not the same because of what Jesus did. And they didn't sit around and rehearse how good things were when they had all those devils. 
But they got up and they ministered to him of their substance. Look with me at one more very quickly. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 38 and 39. This is a miracle in itself. Luke chapter 4, verse 38 and 39. And he arose out of the synagogue. And he entered into Simon's house. And he went to his mother-in-law's house. And she was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. So she was really sick. We could say she was hospitalized. Notice in the next verse. And he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. I ask you this morning, can fevers hear? Can arthritis hear? Can cancers hear? They will always answer to the voice of faith and the voice of authority. He rebuked the fever. He didn't pet it. And the Bible says it, the fever, left her. And immediately she stood around and talked about how much she hurt. And she's so glad the Lord came by. You know, I think there's a time where we just need to leave all that junk. No, the Bible said that immediately she arose and she ministered. Come on, somebody. She ministered unto him. Now, what that says to me is that you and I are healed to help. We are not healed So that we can endure 24-hour television. We are not healed not to serve. But we're healed to minister. We're healed to minister to Him. And my Bible says that He's given us a new commandment. And I believe that in the context of what I've preached today, that by service, we could love one another. And he says, there's no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And he says, you're my friend if you do the very things that I've instructed you to do. And he said, look, here's the key to real joy. You want joy in your life? You want an increase of the fullness of the Spirit in your life? What Jesus is saying, your joy will be full as you bring your works of service. And minister unto the Lord for the glory of God. And we don't do it because we have to. We do it because we want to.